Cardology is now presented by Sardine, and I couldn't be more excited. You'll get to meet their founder, Soups, and some of the team later this quarter, and you'll hear a bit more about why they've caught the attention of some of the smartest fraud leaders I know throughout crypto, fintech, financial services, and e-commerce. Thanks again to Sardine for supporting this episode of Fraudology. I hope you enjoy it. Welcome to this week's Thursday episode of the Fraudology podcast, where we dive into the science and study of online fraud from the perspective of an e-commerce fraud fighter. I'm Carice Hendrick. I am really excited for you to listen to this second part of my conversation with Haley Windham. On Tuesday, we talked so much about working together with other departments and how important it is for the fraud department to make friends. And I know for a lot of people, it seems like that's impossible. It's not without a lot of work. Sometimes, whether it was, you know, under your leadership or someone else's, like sometimes fraud can kind of just get so focused on the things right in front of us. We don't always do a great job at communicating to other departments what our value and our impact is or how they can help or what we're working on and why we do it, any of those things. And so sometimes we just get so mono-focused and we aren't really evangelizing that or offering opportunities for people to learn more. I think Haley did such a good job of explaining her process and how she sat with each department and learned what their, what maybe their gripes were about certain processes that had been done for years or what they wish they had or how they intersect with fraud. And then she also did deep dives into several cases that they had and noticed, huh, there were some risk factors at the very beginning of the process with the customer, with the member, that if the teller or the person who interacted with the customer just knew what to look for, we might have been able to prevent a lot of this. And especially with all the scams happening right now that are targeting consumers, as well as just businesses in general, there are more and more companies that are feeling like we need to be doing more to arm our support staff or the people who interact with our customers to either identify a scam before it happens or to get them to the right place when it does happen and help them in the right way. I saw such, or I experienced such an interesting example of that. The day after I had my interview with Haley, I had a call with someone who works for a large company in the U.S. that has brick and mortar stores as well as an e-commerce component. And this person is responsible for all of it, any financial crime that happens within their store or online. And there are some things that their stores offer that are considered high risk and that are targets for scammers, gift cards certainly being one of them. So just focusing in on that. That leader said one of the hardest things for us is training our frontline staff. We have high turnover. They don't really want to learn new processes. And we haven't done a great job of explaining why these processes are important because scams are changing all the time and we don't want to overburden them with too much information. But we also recognize that if they just were able to know some of the warning signs, we could curb some of this. And I know that several companies have tried with signs over the gift card kiosks or training their customer service to ask questions when more than a certain number of gift cards are being bought or, oh, who are these for? You know, things like that. So I know for sure that this person is listening. So hi. But I said, actually, have you ever thought about an internal podcast? And they were like, what? I said, you know, I just got done interviewing Haley Windham for next week's episodes of Fraudology. And 
she created an internal podcast that has just had so many success stories for their company. And it's fascinating. And so a lot of people want to listen. It's not necessarily mandatory, but a lot of people like to learn things. And I don't think that we as anti-fraud professionals or the security industry in general have done a good job of explaining the why to consumers or to our staff. I think when they know why, like, why is it important that you write this check and what is that the youth Uniball 2007 gel pen, the pen that is impossible to wash checks on, or why it's important to know that legitimate people who are collecting on a bill aren't going to ask for your paying gift cards or why you should check this or that and all that. And so when you share with them why in a fairly entertaining way, they'll learn something and they'll put it in action. So the next time a customer comes to buy a customer who probably doesn't usually shop at your store, comes in to buy $500 worth of gift cards and they might be acting kind of weird. Maybe somebody in your staff can just say, hey, what are you buying these for? Oh, do you know them? Oh, is it for your grandkids? You know, it's just it can come across as extra support, but it can be helpful in identifying these ahead of time. It can also help the greater company listening, even if not everybody listening is on the front lines. It really helps them see your value. It helps them realize, oh, wow, the fraud department has to know about all these things that are coming at us from online to in-store to over the phone, et cetera. And wow, I didn't realize that we were targets like that or whatever, you know, you decide to talk about. I will say Haley and I talk about a specific episode that she did of The Tea, which is what she calls her internal podcast. And she will talk about what The Tea stands for, uh, T-E-A, I should say. And we talk about one specifically about secret shoppers and secret shopper scams that I truthfully didn't know all the details of what those look like or what they're promising or what their goal is. Sometimes it's an overpayment scam. Otherwise, other times it's something else. And so I really enjoyed that 16-minute episode and I had asked her, if we could share it at the end of this episode. I was very hopeful, but we had a short timeline and just in order to get approval and I's dotted and T's crossed and for my editors to scrub out a couple of things that we just ran out of time. So, but that doesn't mean that we're not going to ever share it. So I'll probably be sharing it as a bonus episode and hopefully in the near future in the next couple of weeks. So keep your eyes out for that. I think it's a great example of, it's one thing to talk about it, right? It's another to actually hear an example of it, but also it's interesting information and might be things that you guys don't know about secret shopper scams too. So I'm really excited that her and her company have said that it would be fine to share. They just want a couple of things taken out of it, which is completely understandable. So we'll be sharing that with you soon. I just kind of wanted to communicate that to you. And then towards the end of the episode, Haley actually has kind of a call to action for everyone listening on Fraudology. And I'm taking her up on it because of her. I will be signing up Fraudology as a participating company in the International Fraud Awareness Week. It's through the ACFE, the Association of Certified Fraud Examiners. And even though we know that the ACFE's definition of fraud and the fraud that they focus on is often internal um, embezzlement cases and other things, I think it's a great opportunity for e-commerce fraud to also use this week for opportunities of awareness and education to others. I am still brainstorming how Fraudology is going to be participating in it and what we'll do special for that week. If you have any ideas, I'd love to hear them. But I just kind of wanted to 
throw that out there to you. I think that everything Healy is doing is so admirable. And I hope and I think it will inspire a lot of you to kind of think outside the box. How can we make things different rather than just, oh, this is the way it's always been. And it's so annoying that people don't know this or that, you know, people in my company don't understand that. Well, maybe we can take opportunities to evangelize that to them and share it with them in a way that's interesting and palatable and will help them do their job and go, oh, wow, okay, that was helpful. I appreciated that. So that is what I hope you take away from this episode. Really, I was really encouraged by hearing all of Haley's innovations and how well they've worked. She wasn't able to share as many success stories on air as I've been able to hear. But let me just tell you that these things have had remarkable, all of these programs she's implemented, the ones she talked about in the first episode, the ones she's going to talk about in just a minute, all of them have been so impactful to her organization and to their customers. And even if, you know, I know a lot of companies are struggling with what's our responsibility, what isn't. But I think that, you know, what we need to understand is even if there isn't a financial liability to a specific scam or a specific fraud attack to your company, it's still going to impact your customer. And most likely your customer is going to say, why didn't they tell me? I expected them to tell me. There's been a situation with a financial or a fintech company recently that has a lot of fraud who and their leadership has said, well, consumers should have known better. And let me tell you, the customer perspective of that fintech is not they've been choosing to use their competitors. So that's something that Haley and her organization recognize that this is another layer of building loyalty through customers and customers feeling protected. So I hope that you find this interesting and inspiring as much as I did. I'm going to stop talking so you can listen to Haley and I have the second half of our conversation. And I will look forward to speaking with you more next week. So the next thing is kind of the thing that I'd love for you to talk about is your own podcast, which unfortunately people who listen to Fraudology can't access it. But I think it is such an amazing idea for other companies and banks to consider this as well in their own format, whatever works for their company. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. So again, 2021 was the year for Haley implementing new things. <laughs> so in July of 2021, I created an employee exclusive podcast for my credit union titled The T Stands for Training, Education and Awareness. And also, of course, has a double meaning of filling the T on all the fraud gossip, right? The goal of the podcast is to offer a creative space that employees can share experiences, knowledge and insight into the world of fraud schemes, providing listeners with the understanding and tools needed to remain vigilant and fight against fraud. And yes, that was the pre-recorded commercial that I say in front of all of my sounded rehearsed like I I yep. can. Uh, yep, yep. Yep. Mm, I can say welcome uh, to Fraud. Yep. I can do the whole, yep, the whole thing. Uh, so, and which actually it was inspired by Kelly Paxton's Great Women in Fraud. At the time I was listening to it, I yeah. had a five minute drive every day one way. So I was listening to fraud podcasts because there's no sense in just listening to music for 45 minutes. I needed to actually educate myself and yeah. get in the right mindset for work. So her podcast helped truly get this started for me. And so following what 
she did in hers, I would interview our employees or our experts and demonstrate how their job ultimately ties back to fraud Mm. in some way, shape or form. It's actually been a phenomenal resource for our credit union where we can discuss industry topics such as BSA, AML, wire fraud, online account takeover, which I know is your favorite. Um, oh, my and, favorite, but it's a right. problem. We all have to talk about a lot. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, you know, it's because of the podcast, the T that I have now included in our new hire onboarding to highlight where new employees can get additional training, industry trends, and who they can call with their questions. But what I'm most excited about is I started a new segment on the podcast titled <laughs> Fraudology. I borrowed a name. Yes. <laughs> and so it's where we can deep dive into the various scams and fraud trends that are happening and how we as the credit union can prepare and ultimately protect the financial security of our members in the credit union. And side story, the day after I released the first Fraudology episode, an employee's husband received a mystery shopper scam letter in the mail. Long story short, he did not believe her that it was fraud. And she was like, what can I do? And I said, well, actually, I just released this podcast. (laughs) So take it home, have him listen to it. And she played him the episode and he believed her that it was fake. And he was so thankful that was she that they were able to, because I dove into like what the letter said, like how, how it seems like it's really a good opportunity, but then like what to look for, like our words misspelled mm-hmm. and it, are there like small grammatical errors that like truly, if a business was sending you a mystery shopper, wouldn't they have proper English? They would, because they're going to have their, they have a copywriter, read over it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so if being able to spot things like that, but then they're like, well, it's just a check. Like what's going to happen to me? Well, what happens if you're financially responsible for that full check? Right. Like that? That's not good. Let's look at it that way. So really deep diving into like the why. Again, mm-hmm. it goes back to the why. Why like, are fraud yeah. doing it? Education is the same yeah. with parenting, right? Like it, you can't <laughs> just say don't touch the hot stove. You have to be like, because it will burn you. Um, right. And the older our kids get, the harder those conversations uh, are. But yeah, the why is so important. And you sent me that first episode of, of your fraudology episode. And I legitimately started crying. Like I was just like, oh my gosh, I made up this word, you know, that I think was the science and study of fraud. And here is this amazing human in South Carolina who's now using it to educate her, like her community. And I actually didn't, I knew about some of those scams, but I didn't know the exact details of them, which I know we just don't have time, but I might, I don't know, you and I will talk about how we'll get that information out because you did such a good job of explaining it in a way that I learned something when I listened to that. I was so grateful that you shared it with me outside of your company, but it wasn't anything company specific. It was just, hey, right. this thing. And I do think that that is something that's really missing. And if I had extra time or could clone myself, there would be a podcast like what you're doing for your company, The Tea, out for consumers. The bigger challenge is like, will they listen? It's kind of have to make it like a sexy story or a true crime. And I just, but I do think it's so important. And it's amazing that right after you released it, somebody that you were able to stop that from happening. So that's, that's amazing. And I will, I'm going to put a note here about the mystery shopper and I might have you, I have a couple ideas of how we'll share some of that out. So we'll talk about that. After we're done recording, I had a feeling this is going to be long, but I just really, I mean, 
I have a few more questions that I know people will want to hear. So was educating employees and members a part of your original job duties? Oh, I actually was going to mention you were joking that 2021 was the year of you implementing things at your credit union, but I just double checked your LinkedIn and you started at this credit union in December of 2020. So it makes sense that you took a few months to shadow and, and kind of get lay of the land and figure out what needed to be done and go to the root causes and figure out how you could go from a reactive to a pro active stance on um, financial crimes. And then you implemented them all in 2021. So I want, yeah, I wanted to point that out. But then so back to the question, like was educating employees and members a part of your original job duties or did you see it as a necessary layer of preventing fraud and scams and financial crimes and to keep your members and your organization safer? Well, my original duties when I was hired as an analyst was to train employees as needed, which focus more on procedure than education. Hmm. However, of course, during my first 11 months at the credit union, when I was implementing all those things, yeah. <laughs> I was actively engaging with team members and, and the various business unit owners, assessing our policies, procedures, and practices relating to the fraud internal controls and made recommendations to update and enhance those as needed while also explaining, of course, the why. This allowed me to effectively communicate the emerging or changing risk that and related control opportunities to our executive management and fellow team members. So which allowed my position to evolve into the officer role that I'm in now, where I'm able to actually develop trainings that's specific and educational articles to bring awareness to members and, of course, credit union employees on fraud trends and prevention knowledge. So it's been, it needed to happen because also when you, when you think about it, especially if this is someone that's new or starting out and, mm -hmm. you know, you're walking into something and maybe you don't have a budget to implement something. Well, okay, you don't have, you can't get these automated fraud controls, but what you can do is you can talk about it. Like I said, yeah. at the beginning, like you can, you can empower people to prevent it themselves. So you can empower your members by giving them this knowledge of what is out there. And then you can also do the same thing internally with our internal members and let them know like, hey, this is what to look out for. And so if I can't implement an automated system right away, of course, because I was brand new employee, yeah, what I can do instead is arm them with knowledge. Hmm. There's that phrase, you know, that uh, sunshine is the best disinfectant. And I often replace sunshine with education or just information in general. Like I think information and transparency is the best disinfectant when it comes to fraud. And you're absolutely right. I think a lot of us can get kind of paralyzed in the, well, I have to wait until budget season comes around or I have to figure out a way to explain the ROI to get this extra layer. And those layers are very important, but you can do a lot with human education. And sometimes that's cheaper, right? I mean, your time right. is probably a heck of a, I mean, fortunately or unfortunately, and whether that's right or not, like your time, right? Your time, you know, front fighters' time is going to be cheaper than putting in new systems. Not to say that it should replace them, but right. there's no dollar value you can put on that because I mean, I can just see if I went into my bank, if I ever went in physically to my bank, which is very rare, probably because of my generation, but still just, and I feel like I never have time for anything. But if I did and I was doing something and they said, Hey, do you know this person or whatever? I would, even if I wasn't in fraud, I feel like I would trust them. Right. I'd be like, Oh, they're looking out for me. They, they understand things similarly to when someone buys a really large dollar gift card for a retailer that they may not shop at. It, it's going to help them trust the retailer. If the retailer is like, why are we like, hey, like, 
why are you purchasing this? Do you know the person? Like all of that. So I think that that's just, it's cool. And I love the fact that you took initiative and really kind of adapted your job description and showed the value. And then it was like, hey, an analyst title doesn't make as much sense for you. You're an officer and that's amazing. I mean, in less than two years and not surprising, but, and think about all the value too, that as those tellers or other people within your organization move to other financial institutions, they're taking that knowledge with them and it's spreading. Did you receive any pushback from leadership on these initiatives? And if so, how did you overcome them? So actually I didn't, was surprising and very much appreciated. Yeah. Um, Our management team is amazing. They embraced my creative spunk in all of its glory, (laughs) the fraud program, and they have really supported the podcast from the beginning. So it was something I did on my own time originally. Just the first episode, I, I wanted to not take away from my current role or any of the duties that was expected of me, but just wrote it, recorded it, produced it, and then offered it to them and said, hey, this is something I'd like to do for our employees. And they were like, absolutely, this is a great idea. So it, it was very well received and I was very appreciative. That's amazing. And I know that not everyone will have the same luck at first, but I think that demonstration of how much value you can bring, just even sitting with a few people, you know, in other departments and then asking, how can I help you and all that will help build that trust as well and give you a little bit of autonomy in doing these things. And you can also reference, hey, I was listening to a podcast and, you know, Haley Windham, uh, this financial crimes officer at a relatively smallish, like, a, what is it called? Like community credit union, which are so important. I'm a member of one as well. And I am a big fan of credit unions. This regional credit union established these things and here were some of the results. And then sometimes that can help too, to just give an example. Sardine is now sponsoring Fraudology, and one of the reasons I've been so impressed by Sardine is their founder, Soups Ranjan. You'll hear my full conversation with him in the next few weeks, and you'll get to hear about some of his experiences and his passion for fraud fighting for yourself. But the TLDR, or the high-level summary, is that he started out as a fraud fighter with an engineering and data science background, and he was tasked with quickly identifying a fraud solution for one of the fastest-growing companies in the relatively new and high-risk crypto industry almost a decade ago. But after learning about the available options for online fraud detection, he became frustrated with the existing tools on the market. And as fellow fraud fighters, I think a lot of us know exactly the kind of tools he was frustrated with. The legacy fraud tools that just return a score or a signal or a yes, no, maybe without your team getting to understand all of the aggregated data or the value attributed to each data point that goes into calculating that score or the vendor who won't give you your company's data for your own models and their own user interface was probably an afterthought. And let's be honest, Soup wasn't the only one who's been frustrated by the status quo in fraud technology. But not all of us are able to rage quit our jobs, recruit a few of the smartest risk engineers we've ever known, and go build a fraud platform that is truly built by the fraud squad for the fraud squad. A platform for KYC, AML, and payment risk all in one product that lets the client company decide how to best use the massive amounts of data that's available to them. And that's pretty much exactly what Soups did a few years ago. And the result of those efforts has become one of the fastest growing solution providers in fraud that I've seen in many years. And that company is Sardine. 
To learn more about Sardine or to book a personalized demo, you can go to www.sardine.ai or just click the link at the top of the description for today's episode. Podcast mandatory for your employees to listen to or and were they interested right away? Did you need to convince them or is it like No, it, it's not mandatory. And and there's still a few. Yeah, there's still a few that need convincing. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of feedback initially because the podcast was only available on our internal SharePoint, mm-hmm. um, which can be difficult for our member facing team members to take 15 or 20 minutes to listen to a podcast. So they requested it to be available outside in which we were able to then put it on our mobile payroll app. So that has helped us tremendously and have also increased the amount of people listening. So yeah, that's awesome. So, you know, you also created an really admirable and something I hadn't thought of before, fraud focused initiative within your state of South Carolina. Can you share a little bit about that too? Of course. So I would love to. In 2021, of course. Haley's not busy ever. She's just like binging all the Netflix shows. That's exactly (laughs) it. So again, in 2021, of course. Yeah. um, I raised the year of Haley. Right. Here, Haley. I reached out to Governor Henry McMaster in South Carolina and requested that November 14th through the 20th be proclaimed as Fraud Week in the great state of South Carolina. I sent him this uh, lovely letter that urged him stating, you know, it's time we do our part to help South Carolinians not fall victims to these scams. And luckily, as it turns out, the governor is also not a fan of fraud. And so he <laughs> did. He, right, right. He did proclaim November 14th through the 20th, 2021 as International Fraud Awareness Week and encouraged all South Carolinians to work together to eliminate fraud in Palmetto State. So while that was a huge win for the governor to agree, I couldn't help but feel, honestly, underwhelmed by the lack of participation throughout the state. So this year, 2022, I sent a call to action to all South Carolina fraud fighters, encouraging them and their organizations to join me in requesting Governor Henry McMaster to proclaim November 13th through the 19th of 2022 as Fraud Week in South Carolina. You don't have to look far to see how urgent the issue is for our Mm -hmm. fellow South Carolinians and really across the United States. Yeah, Um, internationally as well. But right, right. And so I'll I'll give you some links that you can provide in like or whatever that basically just show where we're at in South Carolina. You know, FBI says South Carolina lost 42 million to cybercrime in 2021. 2022 identity theft and scams report said that South Carolina consumers lost over 6.4 million to various forms of identity theft. And that was just what was reported, right? And right. That's you know, just that's exactly right. Exactly. And so International Fraud Awareness Week, it was established by the ACFE, the yeah. Commission of Certified Fraud Examiners, in 2000 as a dedicated time to raise awareness for fraud. And their website states, hundreds of organizations partner with the ACFE, the world's largest anti-fraud organization. My problem with that statement is hundreds. Why isn't it mm. thousands? Huh. This, has been, this has been a real thing for 22 years. Yeah. And I think it's just the lack of knowledge. Admittedly, I didn't know about Fraud Week until I was able to truly devote my time to fraud prevention. And I mean, in South Carolina alone, in 2020, we had more than 431,000 small businesses Mm. as defined by the U.S. Small Business Association. Yeah, which fewer than like 500 employees. Right, right, right. right. Yeah. And but there's 96 financial institutions, 46 are banks and 50 are credit unions. We, South Carolina, could easily surpass the hundreds of partnering organizations. So that's what my mission is. I want to, and if it's okay, I'm going to plug this in here. Yes, please. (laughs) 
I want to work together as financial institutions, law enforcement, government agencies, and businesses to help our neighbors avoid being victimized by fraud. Imagine the difference we could make. Join me as a fraud fighter for your members, your organization, and our state, South Carolina. But this is all over. This is nationwide. So anybody can join Ohio, New York, California. I could name all 50, but I'm not going to. <laughs> <laughs> but go to fraudweek.com. It's from the ACFU website and join as a supporting organization. And all they ask is, I mean, it's free, 100% free. All you have to do is just talk about Fraud Week, get get the conversation going on how we can stop this fraud. And I will say, I kind of coined the, the hash collaboration over competition. This is not about me. This is not about my credit union. This is about us just truly coming together and stopping the fraud. As fraud fighters, we all share the exact same goal, and that's to stop the fraud. So I would just love to see more participation and just like see this whole movement just spread around. Well, and you're reminding me that you sent me a LinkedIn message last week suggesting that Fraudology participate. And I agree, that makes perfect sense. So I started to look at the form and then uh, like I often say, if anything takes more than like one step, then I think, okay, I'll do it later. (laughs) And then I often forget. But just one more like follow up on that. I mean, I was going to ask, well, what does it mean to participate in Fraud Week? Kind of explained it a little bit that you're making a commitment to talk about it. But is this an opportunity for companies to provide education in their social media or in email or other form with their customers or members, clients about like giving fraud tips or some ways that companies can actually make a difference, right? Because you can just sign up and say, yeah, yeah, okay, we're supporting Fraud Week. But what are some ways that companies can really take advantage of that and make that actually impact some change? Right. Well, if you can look at what you have, right? What are what are the trends that you're seeing in your organization and what would benefit your members the most? So mm-hmm. in South Carolina, we've got a lot going on or we can even look back in COVID pandemic times and think about the SBA loans, PPP loans that came okay. out. What was fraud and did those individuals that accepted those loans on behalf of whomever, whatever, or did they thought that they could just easily apply for it and then there were no repercussions? Well, now it's, you know, they're being investigated and, but if we could have said ahead of time, hey, don't do this if you didn't do it, which clearly, right, those with a conscience should have known <laughs> not to do that. Yeah. But that's okay. So being able to highlight what trends you're seeing. So if check washing is something, highlighting what, I can't remember her name off the top of my head. She was one of your ladies, but she highlighted what they're... Yes, McLean. Yes, so she, the she highlighted the Uniball pins. Yes. Yes. And, and I will tell you, so this just lets you know just how much of a nerd I am. That has been my favorite pin for the last six years. Ah. And no one could deter me. Like I, I was not going to another kind of pin. <laughs> and now it all all makes sense. It's because it was a fraud fighter all yeah. along. So, but, you know, highlighting and saying like, yeah. this, this particular pen could prevent your checks from being washed. Now, it's not saying that they're going to not make counterfeit checks off of your check, but right. your actual check 2634 is not going to be washed and replaced with new data. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's going to be your actual writing. So they are going to have to make counterfeits, which is huge. I'm super excited about 
having that as like one thing. So yeah, definitely thank you to well, her. Right, like you're crazy. You're totally, you know what? Like put their name on those pens and be like, hey, you know, this is a fraud fighting pen. Like, please write your checks in this. Now, granted, you know, they're a little spendy, but I mean, compared to bulk pens. You mean like this pen right here? Right there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. right there. Maybe, maybe you just, you just told a, told a thing that's happening. Oh, whoops. Carice can see into the future. I legitimately. It's exciting. No, but that is no, so I'm, exciting. I am very excited about it. And, you know, being able to offer that to our members and saying, hey, come in, take a look at us and grab some of these handouts that we got from the Federal Trade Commission for different scams that you need to be aware of. Come mm-hmm. take a look at our fraud prevention table and get you oh stuck a fraud fighting pin <laughs> and bringing the members in to say, hey, we're doing our part. We're yeah. wanting to empower you with this knowledge. And so that's something you can do. Go to the FTC and look at bulkorder.com or whatever it's called. I can't remember exactly, but I received 10 boxes of, of items that I'm just very excited to, to give to my members. You so, and even though your goal in that isn't to increase, you know, and I'm sure you're not going to be measured by like increasing deposit amounts or increasing membership or anything like that. Those are the kinds of things, right? Because, right. I mean, I was just out to dinner with my mom and a friend. My mom came into town the other night and a friend, I met her and a friend at dinner. I didn't even sit down. And her friend says, your mom says that there's a pen I'm supposed to be using for writing checks. What's it called? And I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean, you know, that I can see that happening with your members, right? Like, oh, well, I got this pen from my credit union and it's going to help me prevent check fraud. I just, you know, of course I nerd out on this stuff too. But as far as, you know, what you've learned throughout these projects, either about yourself, about fraud, or about working with others throughout your company? Probably that communication is vital in the fight against fraud. We cannot rely solely on memos, emails, newsletters, meetings, and and podcasts to Mm. convey the right message of fraud (laughs) prevention. You know, it didn't matter how many wins I had. If my approach to communication became static or if it was just noise, mm-hmm. that was a takeaway for me. Did I focus more, even in this past year, did I focus more on how fun I made fraud seem instead of the true purpose behind the message? Mm. You know, I even began to reflect and look at my program holistically, of course. And here's what I found. So when a member comes into the credit union or calls member service with a fraud issue, our first instinct is to call the fraud department. Mm-hmm. After all, fraud department is where that passionate lady with the Scooby Snacks is. She'll know what to do, right? Mm. So although my program was receiving traction and visibility, my communication approach was actually becoming static. Mm. Team members were listening to the message, but did they truly understand the purpose? So we as fraud fighters must show the value that enhanced fraud knowledge brings to the credit union or your organization, the value that they as individuals bring, providing purposeful information, real world examples that actually become actionable insight. Amazing. If anyone listening to you now is inspired, I don't know how they can't be, to implement like one of these initiatives or something, you know, similar for their company that helps other areas of the organization learn more about fraud that can be stopped on the front lines, as well as educating leadership and all that on your wins and how to talk about it. What advice do you have for them? Do it right now. If you're waiting for your sign, this is it. Don't stop talking about fraud prevention. Also, make sure you plan it out before presenting it to upper management. Don't deter from your current job duties and responsibilities to create something new. Always complete 
of course, what is expected of you before starting something. Otherwise, that's a sure fire way to get a big fat no. That's that's a really good point. Yeah. And I always say, like, look for ways that you can help them before asking them to help you. Right. I mean, that right. to me should just be one of the golden rules, but it comes, you know, with this as well. So and then what advice do you have for other fraud fairs, you know, who may think that these are all great ideas, but they either think it would be a lot of work or it couldn't work for their company or they're putting up roadblocks in their mind, right? Like before asking questions. And it might be because they know their company or they've tried something before. But even though you had support of leadership, I know that, you know, it's not always easy. So what would you recommend there? Well, if you have a, an established program and your message has become static, make impactful changes beginning from the ground up or the top down. If you're going to create a fraud program, do it with tenacity and consistency. For your program to be effective, you cannot become deflated or argumentative when there's opposition to your position. That's one of the things I really had to teach myself is like, if they say, nope, this is, you know, a risk that we're willing to take. And I'm like, no, you cannot take this risk. This is not a good one. This do is not overwrite. Right. And so this fraud system, as we talked about at the very beginning of our conversation, right. you know, has a lot of right. false positives and you want to overwrite it. Don't do it. Like Don't. Said, we need the right. Trust us. Or maybe we need to reform the system rather than just like ice these over and accept. Or, yes. Yeah. And you're so right. And you've said it so many times, but I think it's worth saying again. It's so important for people to understand the why. Otherwise, they're going to forget or they're not going to do it or they're not going to think it's important. So that providing those whys, even if it's in, you know, a short email that you send out to, you know, an email distribution list and you just start it, you know, I mean, right. Start small, you know. Mm-hmm. The you know last thing I would just say to them is remember to have that holistic approach. Mm-hmm. Find your balance between fraud mitigation and member impact. Mm-hmm. Side note, I I know it can be tough when your current role and responsibilities hinder your attempts to prevent fraud, but don't define your purpose based on your task. I like that. Like deserves to be on a poster or something. Like not defining your purpose based on your tasks. I got um, it from a leadership lunch, and I can't take full. Did you really? Well, I like it. Spoke <laughs> volumes to me. It's one of those notes I took. Yeah. So it was like in bold and like underlined. And I was like, I really like that. So I yeah. cannot take full credit for that. You and I are both such note takers. So I can very much understand that. I am sure there are so many good quotes that I've tried to remember by writing them down, but others that I have done that. So I think that's great. You've done such a great job at weaving in a culture of fraud education within your credit union. And you're now moving on to statewide awareness within your state and working on nationwide awareness through this <laughs> podcast and other things like so. I mean, not that you need to take anything else on, but I can relate so much to your personality and your passion. So what do you want to work on next or what are you working on for next? Well, you know me so well. (laughs) You don't know that I have like three things already in the pipeline. But probably what I'm most excited about is getting involved in the schools. Hmm. South Carolina is now one of the is now the 15th state actually to guarantee every high school student will take a personal finance course prior to graduation. So um so so it's the Right, right. (laughs) The financial literacy instruction is established to increase the knowledge of personal finance and investments Mm -hmm. among all school students. So there's a 
another state board of education meeting that will be held on November 8th to discuss the provision further and allow for public comment, which I plan to make a comment. I would love to work Mm. with the South Carolina Department of Education to include an anti-fraud course in the whole lineup of of courses. I'd love to have anti-fraud because it's so prevalent in high schools now, people falling for Instagram and Snapchat scams. Mm -hmm. It's like, just because it says scams, no grams, like it's a scam. You don't want to make bands of money if it's ultimately going to get you in trouble and getting in front of that or like even talking about sextortion, like don't do it because there's so many children that, and and I say children because you're under 18 and I'm just to continue to refer to them as that, but there's children that are falling for this and then Mm -hmm. they are blackmailed. I mean, I saw it the other day. There was somebody on my LinkedIn that posted about it. I think I saw that same thing. Yeah. Yep. And it's not, I mean, we don't know and we can't get that message out. And that's definitely something nobody wants to market, you know, is talking about that. But if we could have that involved in a course that they have to take, like, hey, here's a list of scams to look out for. Here's here's the trend. How about if they ask you for your account number? It's a scam. Right. Don't, unless you are filling out your new hire paperwork in the (laughs) office and they say, what's your direct deposit? Other than that, no one should ever get Mm. your routing and account information. That is yours. It's just like your social. By the way, don't give out your social. (laughs) (laughs) Say, well, this with some of the breaches, I mean, everyone's got everything. But you're so right. And that's something that I've been passionate about as well. But again, and like I, if there were more hours in the day, but I would love to see more members of the frog community taking an initiative on that. And I would offer myself off air too, but like, I'll just say, you know, if you, when you get there, let me know, because obviously I do talk with and work with a lot of people in social media, as well as in gaming and so many areas where there might be some extra insights to give you as far as consumer protection and prevention. But I couldn't agree more that not only is financial literacy so important and should have been being taught in all the schools forever, but yeah, nobody teaches fraud prevention, right? Or just those, maybe we think of it as common sense, but it's not common, right? It's common to us. And so I just, obviously, I very much relate to your passion and I just appreciate all your time today because we definitely went way over, but this was so important. And I know that so many people are going to be inspired by the steps you've taken. And as always with all my guests, I'll make sure to put a link to your LinkedIn in the comments and the show notes so that people can get in touch with you if they want. This has been such a great conversation, Haley. And I have no doubt that you've inspired you know listeners to find ways to educate their company about fraud, both help their employees stay safe themselves, be cautious when making business decisions and in answering questions and providing fraud awareness, education to their customers and members. And you're just getting started, which just makes me so excited. Is there anything that you'd like to add before we end our conversation today? Only that if there's anybody that has any questions, please feel free to reach out. But also I am really looking to just grow my network of people because I know that there's so much more that I can learn. You know, it's always that imposter syndrome that we all revert back to. And while I feel that I'm just a little fish in a big pond making a splash, I'm I'm grateful that I'm able to help kind of provide some guidance to others. But I know that I still have a lot to learn and I'm really eager to do so. So if there's anybody out there, I'm very grateful for any type of connection. So I just appreciate you so much, Carice. This has been awesome. And like you said, the last couple of months, truly getting to know you and knowing exactly what it is that you're doing and 
truly just the mission of fraudology. Like it has evolved, you know, mm. over over the last two years. And I'm one of those people that have benefited from it. So thank you so much for, oh. for the work you do. Oh my gosh, you're so awesome. Like I'm, ugh, I've been an emotional mess lately anyway, so that doesn't help, but you gave me chills. I appreciate it. You're right. It's taking, fraudology taking on a life of its own and I am here for it. I'm just going to write it out because I think that what I've learned is that we all want to learn from each other and grow. And I think, I mean, anyone who's in fraud loves to learn. So this is just one platform that we're able to do it, but I am looking forward to hopefully in 2023, grow it even more beyond the podcast. So, but it's people like you that inspire me to do that too. So thank you for reaching out a few months ago. And I've really enjoyed learning from you and and speaking with you too. So with that, thank you so much, Haley, for your time and just sharing so much. I have no doubt that your LinkedIn connections will be growing in the next few weeks. Thanks. again to Sardine for sponsoring this episode of Fraudology and for supporting information sharing and collaboration across the fraud fighter ecosystem. You can learn more about the team and their mission at Sardine via the link in today's episode description.